0: Case number 22 773 Sonia Allegra Mills Balance, versus Anadolu Agency NA Inc. Mr. Malahi for the balance Mr. Klaprov for the Appellee. Good morning. Morning. Mr. Malahi?
1: Yes, Your Honor. You may, may it, um May it please the court. Uh, there were two issues, uh, in this case, whether the court had personal jurisdiction over appell- appellee Anadolu, uh, and whether or not plaintiffs adequately alleged that Anadolu was her employer. Trial court got them both wrong. Um, the trial court conflated those issues, but they are really separate. And the personal jurisdiction issue Uh, based on facts which were not even tested, there is personal jurisdiction over Anadolu. Anadolu had a brick and mortar office in the District of Columbia. Um, Ms. Mills worked in that office for about three to four months. During the time she worked in that office, she earned the wages that are at issue in this case. For personal jurisdiction, all that is necessary is that the claims bear some relationship to the acts of the forum state. That standard was clearly satisfied
0: here. My understanding is that what the uh, defendant and what the district court is focusing on is not the context, but as you point out, the second part, the relationship between the context and the claim. And I'm a little bit mystified about the way the claim has been briefed, because my understanding is that this is a claim arising under the DC analog to the Fair Labor Standards Act, the DC WPCL. And it's unclear to me why cases about um, independent contractors or joint employers are being cited. Because my understanding under the DC WPCL is that employees or anyone encompass any person who is what's the word that's a uh, who is suffered to work who is uh, um,
1: suffered or permitted to work
0: suffered or permitted to work and. That, under the d c. law, separate entities, regardless of their formal legal status as separate, are joint severally liable for violation. So I don't know why that isn't briefed more in a more straightforward manner because i I don't think there's any claim that she, she's an independent contractor.
1: I don't think there's any claim she's an independent contractor either. She does have an independent contractor agreement, but we've as we briefed, uh, that contract is essentially irrelevant because it runs contrary to the provisions of the D.C. wage payment. It runs fashion.
0: contrary to the relevant facts. I mean, and, and there's D.C. law on that, that regardless of the formal, you know, statement, like the, I think the leading case, Wright versus Office and Wage and Hour, is someone who had a contract that characterized her. This is the woman who was a Social, did social media work and also administrative work, it characterized her as an independent contractor. And the DC Court of Appeals said, well, we're gonna look at you know, the actual facts uh, and they held helped part of her work was as an independent contractor, but where she was supervised, where she was provided equipment, where her work was continuous, where it was um, uh, integral to the employer's business. That was not independent contractor. and I'm just not sure why, if there's something that I'm missing, why the claim has not been analyzed more that way and is instead sort of independent contractor joint employer um, analysis.
1: Why oh, we, we focused on the joint employer analysis um, because the independent contractor issue was not really raised by the other side.
0: Right, and I mean, neither—it seems to me that neither independent contractor nor joint employer law is really directly on point where the question is the applicability of the DCWPCL to facts like these. Yes. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe there there, there isn't really—I guess um, maybe there isn't law that's very closely analogous. But but to me, it's it seems revealing that even, um, you know, a subcontractor or a staffing firm uh, can be held to be the employer for purposes of, uh, or joint and severally liable for wages under this law, because it's not about the, you know, the contractual relationship. It's about getting wages paid. Yes. By by people who are having folks work for them in DC, right?
1: I agree your honor and Uh, Council, the thing I'm perplexed about is I don't understand, maybe maybe I'm not following it through correctly, but you're now pushing joint employer as uh, your principal argument, but I don't know why in the end that doesn't doom you as well, because if they are joint employers, then the forum selection clause would presumably bind both pieces of the joint employment relationship. And then you're facing the forum non-convenience. Now, that is a question that needs to be decided uh, by the district court, I think, in the first instance. But you certainly will face that as a serious problem because there is a forum selection clause and there is law that suggests you may be bound by it if, in fact, you're right that these are joint employers. Well, Your Honor, um, you're correct that the district court would have to decide that issue. However, I, I don't agree that that just because they are joint employers that the forum selection clause would bind um, Anadolu here, that Anadolu would be able to take advantage of that clause. Anadolu is located in the District of Columbia, and it doesn't make any sense to me that Anadolu would then want to go to Turkey or that should go to Turkey to litigate a case where the the cause of action arises under DC law. So there's many, many arguments, including the public interest factors about why that clause should not be enforced in this case.
0: It's a little bit unclear to me, I don't know how you read it, but what the forum selection clause covers, any matter of controversy or dispute between the parties relates there to and it's a it probably is a, is a question of translation but I don't read Turkish and that is indecipherable to me do you have a position yes on the scope or not of the the, the,
1: the key as you pointed out is the there the word there too because It's focusing on disputes arising from the contract. And so the leave issue is not expressly talked about in the contract, but it's based on course of dealing, oral modification. She was getting leave. She was entitled to take advantage of that leave. That was part of the employment relationship. That's part of wages owed under the D.C. wage payment collection law. Um, but it's not within the scope of that very short contract. So it's outside the scope of the contract. The other thing is the contract does not address when payment needs to be issued, payment of wages. So the timing of that is all governed by DC law, not by the contract. And that's all the more reason why this case should be litigated in the the District of Columbia, um, under District of Columbia law. Does that answer your question, Your Honor?
2: But I'm also trying to think about it from the standpoint of, we're having this conversation about joint employment, uh, independent contractor status, but the issue is the personal jurisdiction. So how far do we go with kind of that dispute to get to personal jurisdiction? and then whether or not if your real claim is that Anadolu through the employment has something somehow to do with what she was owed, even though all of her other contractual documents relate to the A.A. Turk firm.
1: So if if with joint employers, uh, they're both jointly and severally liable, despite the fact that A.A. Turk was paying her salary Um, As far as personal jurisdiction is concerned, you know, we cited a couple of cases in our reply brief Shoppers Food Warehouse versus Moreno and uh, Cohane versus Arpeggia, California. Um, Personal jurisdiction is not determined the way the trial court determined it. The trial court um, read the clause arising out of way too narrowly. And that's not the way it's decided. All, for personal jurisdiction purposes, it has nothing to do with whether she's an employer or not, employee or not, or whether or not Anadolu is an employer. Those are very separate.
0: Well, All, it has to relate to the claims. We have to have, she has to have pleaded a claim that relates to the contacts with DC, right? Yes. I mean, there's, so there's, there's at least a sort of look at the nature of the claim. You're not saying otherwise.
1: No, um, but the connection is very loose. And if you look at the Choppers Shopper, Food Warehouse case, for instance, Choppers Food Warehouse did not have a store in D.C. Someone slipped and fell at a Maryland store. Um, she brought suit in the District of Columbia, and the only contact that Choppers Food Warehouse had with the District of Columbia was advertising. So, advertising versus negligence in maintaining a store. The arising out of concept does not have to be as direct as the district court found. All that has to happen is is that the claims need to bear some relationship to the acts in the forum state. So Anadolu had a brick and mortar building in the forum state and the plaintiff worked in that building, she worked under their supervisors. She earned the wages at issue while she was there. Um, That's enough. That's that's more than necessary to establish personal jurisdiction under District of Columbia law.
0: I'm willing to look at uh, D.C. Court of Appeals cases with with some deference on their construing their law, but I'm not sure about um, due process and personal jurisdiction uh, as a constitutional matter. Um, Shoppers Food Warehouse facts are pretty different from what we have here so we do need to look at her claim and we do need to see that the claim relates to the contacts in in DC
1: yes your honor and I believe it does for the reasons that I indicated
2: but you know something just kind of granular if miss Mills is working in DC and then she wants to take a vacation day who approves that time off?
1: Um, I believe that that's something that Anadolu approves because she's being supervised by Anadolu, and Anadolu is the one coordinating her schedule. So that would be approved by Anadolu. All
0: right.
1: Will, um, go ahead. You're,
0: we, we have nothing more, and you're out of time, but we will give you a. Did you reserve time for rebuttal? Yes. How much? Three minutes. Because we've used more, we'll we'll give you a couple minutes. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. You. Morning, Mr. Klaproth.
3: Morning, Your Honor. Uh, May I please support. My name is Brendan Klaproth and I represent the Applee and Adolu Agency NA Inc. The district court correctly dismissed uh, the plaintiff's one-count lawsuit for lack of personal jurisdiction as well as felony state, So just to address the personal jurisdiction issue first.
0: That is the only issue before us. I
3: I, I, I think the 12b6 issue is as well, but I, I think the threshold issue is... That opinion same. was
0: vacated and the case was remanded for the district judge to decide personal jurisdiction. He rejected the case on. Lack of personal jurisdiction, and that's on appeal to us.
3: Understood uh, my I, think,
0: I mean, I think as we've been discussing um, with Mr. Malahy, that there is a. I mean, we need to know about the merits of the claim because the claim has to be has to relate to the form state context. Uh, so John, uh, so
3: dealing with the, you know, I, I think the issue here is: does the claim arise out of the,
0: the conduct being or relate to or relate to? That
3: is correct. Under under the D.C. code, the law of statute, it says arise out of, but then Moreno tells us, uh, relates to as well. Um, So what we have here, though, is and these are the undisputed facts. We have the plaintiff uh, entered into an independent contractor agreement with A.A. Turk to perform work in Turkey. Uh, She was provided with a housing allowance in Turkey, uh, private schooling in Turkey. She was paid by A.A. Turk. Uh, The vacation leave that's being sued over was provided for by AA Turk, um, and ultimately she was terminated by AA Turk or her contract was not renewed. So her claim here is for the vacation leave that she's seeking uh, reimbursement for under the DC wage payment collection law. That is the claim, and uh, all of the conduct, none of the conduct here by Anna Dolu relates to or arises out of her claim. So for example, even in the joint appendix 13 in the the amended
2: complaint,
3: um, uh, the plaintiff alleges that when she had questions about her vacation, she didn't contact Anadolu, but instead contacted uh, AA Turk to inquire about that vacation.
0: But I have the same question for you that, and perhaps better directed at you, but the claim is a claim under the DC wage law, and for obvious policy reasons, the DC law, like the Fair Labor Standards Act, doesn't, um, isn't geared to the formal contract relationship between the working person and the person that she's working for, or the entity that she's working for. It's, it intentionally is broader um, to provide an effective means of uh, ensuring that people don't suffer wage theft or, or what have you. And so even though, of course, D.C. law honors, for example, independent contractor relationships, um, you know, and other kinds of, of subsidiary relationships, uh, it holds, uh, for example, subcontractors jointly and severally liable for, for violations along with the prime contractor and even staffing firms who, who obviously aren't, the employer are held jointly and severally liable. So, why isn't it uh, sufficient for Ms. Mills to have alleged in this case? Sure, Anadolu was wholly on subsidiary. I was working there. The leave that I want, I earned while I was there. AA Turk doesn't deny that I'm entitled to leave. They're just saying that we've sued the wrong defendant and they want me to come and sue them in Turkey, but I'm suing under a DC law.
3: So I, I agree with your honor's assessment of DC law. Um, the independent contractor agreement is not going to be the dispositive uh, determination as to whether she's in fact employed by the statute. Um, so I do agree with that. And I think though there's a recent court of appeals case, um, I think it's called Steinke, uh, when to determine whether a person is an employee as defined by the statute, we look to Morrison, this, this circuit's uh, decision. And so, uh, and then you apply the, the factors set forth in Morrison. Uh, did the employer or the company have the ability to hire and fire, set the schedule? Um, and, you know, the court here went through those factors. So that, that is the correct test. But
2: isn't control a big element as well there? I, I think the control. Because that's usually a big distinguishing factor um, in many of the employment cases.
3: Uh, yes, Your Honor, that's, that's correct. And I think the control factors uh, apply more so in the independent contractor analysis rather than this joint employer analysis because in that situation you're, de- you're trying to decide whether this person is a free agent in the marketplace and has opportunities to work in other places or if they're under the complete control of this one company. So but yes, we also
2: we have as a request is jurisdictional discovery. If this were limited, you know, potentially on a remand to just decide these issues so that there can be a distinction between, you know, what was Anadolu's role um, vis-a-vis um, why Miss Neal was actually in that uh, facility and performing duties under, um, at least in that building, and at least alleging that someone from Anadolu was actually managing her or somehow supervising her you know, what's the harm in finding out what is here? Because you both have just given different um, answers about who would approve the leave, for example.
3: So um, with respect to jurisdictional discovery, first off, that was not requested before the trial court. So it's our position that it's been waived. Um, The second point is that the record before the court uh, shows, for example, joint appendix 13, the amended complaint answers your honor's question as to who would approve the leave. Because as alleged, Ms. Mills did reach out to AA Turk, not Anadolu, with respect to the questions of relief. With respect to the question of termination, um, the complaint alleges that uh, the individual, there's some, first they say the individual who terminated, made to dis, uh, conveyed the message to terminate, is an Anadolu employee that was later uh, withdrawn uh, through briefing. Uh, But nonetheless, the point that is alleged in the complaint is that this...
0: Another way to read that is that Ms. Mills is under a Rule 11 obligation to allege only facts that that she can allege are are, supported, uh, that she can allege with confidence. She may not know anything about uh, the formal employment uh, arrangements of the person who fired her. So all she did was change the allegation to say, well, he worked in the office where I worked. I don't take that to be a retraction of any assertion that he may have been an Anadolu employee. I'm not sure that it's relevant under, under the wage law. Let me ask you just to sort of step back and put in perspective implications of your position. If, uh, you know, I run a, a French company and I employ a bunch of people in Washington, D.C., and I have an employment contract with them, and I tell them what their wages are, and they work in a brick and mortar office in D.C. binding um, books, and uh, they're supervised day to day in their bookbinding activities, and uh, and then I decide that I'd actually rather not pay them because it's pretty expensive to pay workers, so I don't pay them, and I have a, a forum selection clause that if they want to sue me, they have to come to France. I don't dispute that I promised them wages, but it's really not convenient for me to pay. Is it your position that those people are not able to bring a DC uh, DCWPCL claim in the District of Columbia?
3: So that would hit the tr- uh, the element in the forum non-convenience analysis as to whether it's a valid provision. Um, I don't think that's issue in this case.
0: Isn't it sort of the same idea? I mean, D.C. is saying, if you're owed wages and you're working here, people better pay those wages. It doesn't track the details of the contractual relationship. It just says, employers, fair notice, if you're if you're having people work for you, not even employers, if you're having people work for you here in D.C., there's a mechanism for making sure they get paid. And part of my concern is, I mean, this is a very, comparatively speaking, small amount of money. Um, but if we rule for you, there's a lot of structuring of sub-minimum wage work, of, you know, any number of uh, ways of of exploiting workers and depriving them of timely payment of their wages that it seems to me would go along with that and I'm so I'm I'm looking for your help in telling me what the distinctions are.
3: Sure, let to look at it like for example, say there's a, a corporate parent in Delaware, right, that hires the the employees uh, that are performing work in, in D.C. and there's a form selection clause that says you have to. We'll say France. All right. Um, in that situation, that corporate parent is still doing work in D.C., employing people in D.C., and I think the D.C. wage payment collection law would still apply regardless of the, the form uh, selection clause in that situation. But here, the the corporate parent, so the claim isn't brought against A.A. Turk. The the company is actually employing uh, Miss Mills. So I think that's the distinction. Um,
0: so, if the forum selection clause covers only claims arising under the contract, and if this claim arises under the DC law, and if Ms. Mills sued AA uh, Turk in DC, then AA Turk would have to come to DC.
3: That's right. Um, and, and that's, and,
0: in your view, her mistake was signing a consultancy agreement that has a forum selection clause.
3: I, I'm not saying it's her mistake. I mean, but I mean,
0: in terms of her wanting to, having this claim and wanting to bring it here.
3: So um, I, I think in that situation, you know, it, it, this is a unique set of facts because most of the work was performed in Turkey, right? Uh, the, the contracts are contemplating that all the is going to be performed in Turkey, presumably uh, you know, Ms. Mills seems to be a sophisticated individual. This was an arm's length negotiation where she negotiated things like, uh, you know, schooling reimbursements. So I, I do think, you know, it was a voluntary and, and knowing choice on her part. And so I I don't want to go too far down that, that path because AA work is not in this case, but um, I, I, I think then the question then becomes when we're, how was dedication leave accrued? Is it accrued while she was working in Turkey or in D.C.? And are those considered then D.C. wages, which is not really well, the she issue.
0: She alleged they, they were earned when she was in D.C.
3: Based on an annual leave policy. And most of the work was initially performed, though, in Turkey.
0: Um, what is your reading of any matter of controversy or dispute between the parties relates there to... Are there words missing? Is there a way to translate that better? The off, the, this is the uh, form selection clause on J A thirty five. The Ankara courts and enforcement officers shall be the exclusive authorized venues for the resolution of any matter of controversy or dispute between the parties relates there too. We don't know relating any matter related relating to what.
3: Based on on the drafting, it seems it does is maybe a poor translation, but uh, any dispute relating between the parties, you know, you see that a lot of times in an arbitration context. You also see
0: arising under the contract or related to the contract.
3: Correct. Um, So, and I think the issue here, though, is that, um, you know, as far as Anadolu uh, agency is concerned, that, you know, the stoppable principles would apply equally because these claims are being brought uh, based arising from this contract and her, her work performed for AA Turk. And so she can't you know, avail herself, sue under a contract
2: and then disavow any sort of obligation she has under there too. So but the agreement doesn't contain any specific information about compensation or benefits. Aren't those terms in the offer letter? It, 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 it looks like it was redacted, the,
3: the salary portion from the, the contract. Um, And I'm not So on paragraph four of the contract, he just agrees to pay and then it's blank. So I I do think there is terms like for compensation. I just think it was redacted.
0: There's also, I mean, it's curious in, in the second paragraph, the consultant is obliged to comply with the rules and regulations in the place where he tries to perform his services. So it actually sounds like local, the local law of the particular workplace applies at least to the employee, and perhaps a mutuality uh, principle would require that it also apply to AA Turk. It's, it's in terms of uh, just sounds like it's a local law of the workplace.
3: Yeah, it, it, does, it says, you know, it focuses on the consultant is obliged or obligated, doesn't uh, refer to, to the AA Turk specifically. And then you also have the separate provision in the offer letter that says you know, the laws of Turkey well, shall apply to the relationship. So right. uh, if there's no further questions, I, I request court. Thank you.
1: Your honor um, I know you indicated that this issue was not relevant but I just want to clarify something <laughs> the the employee who terminated um, my client was there was an affidavit that said he was she that employee was not employed by Anadolu that affidavit never said that that employee was employed by aA Turk the judge, trial judge, concluded that that employee was um, employed by A.A. Turk. So there was absolutely no basis for that, and that was drawing an impermissible inference.
0: Well, and your yeah. primary position is that on a motion to dismiss, that affidavit was erroneously considered.
1: Shouldn't have been considered, yes. Yeah. Yes, Your Honor, that is my
0: position. What's your response, Uh to the estoppel point that Mr. Klaproth makes that her, her claim to the wages rests on her contract, even though the actual claim she's bringing in DC is under the DC law, it's for wages owed under the contract. If she's invoking the contract, she's invoking something that has a forum selection clause, and that claim has to go in Turkey.
1: Well, as I said before, the, um, the leave was not, it was not referenced anywhere in there, <laughs> and and a large portion of the claim relates to leave. As for the it wasn't
0: referenced anywhere in the in the contract or in the form selection clause or
1: the form, the contract itself or the series of contracts do not mention leave at all. There's a salary provision in there, and I think opposing counsel was probably correct that. The agreements in the record redacted the salary, but there was a salary. Um, But the other thing is, she was paid her wages, but she was paid her wages late. So it's not a claim for not paying the wages. It's a claim for paying the wages late. That falls outside the scope of the contract.
0: Because Ladies the contract is, is penalized under the DC law. So she has can you just sketch, just summarize for us, and then we'll let you sit down um, the components of the pay she is seeking.
1: Yes. So she's receiving twenty-four hours. Sorry, um
0: there's a twenty four days. There's a conflict in the, there's an error, I think, in the complaint. Mm-hmm.
1: Twenty-four days of vacation leave, all of which was earned while she was in D.C. And the way that works is in May of 2019, two months after she got there, they dumped it into her leave bank. It was an annual thing where she got it um, placed in her leave bank in May. So that's 20 hours. And then she worked four Turkish holidays. And those are also reimbursable as comp time. So that takes it to 24 days of leave.
0: And is the, are the 20 days per year, do they expire and renew on the next year? Is this over her whole time with AA Turk?
3: It's
1: the anniversary date, her anniversary date of employment since she started, I think in April of 2018 or the end of April, her replenishment date for the leave was one year, the one year anniversary.
0: So it's 20 max, and it just every year, if it's gone down to 12, it'll go up to 20. If it's gone down to two, it'll go up to 20. Or it, or it's four and four and four and four, and, four and it had gotten that high.
1: I believe that either she didn't have any leave left when it was replenished in May because she had used it, or she lost whatever she didn't use.
0: But so, it's, the, so it's every year, it's 20.
1: That's right. Every year, it's 20. Yes.
0: Zeroed out and then to 20.
1: That's what I believe, yes. And um, I just ask that the court address the, the employer issue in this case. Um, it's consistent with a prior order that ju- the trial court issued dismissing this case because she was not an employer. If the court confines its ruling just to the personal jurisdiction issue, if the court were to find there was personal jurisdiction, and this went back to the trial court, the trial court's order theoretically would be operative at that point because uh, the, the the one bar to it was that the court hadn't decided personal jurisdiction. And I'm concerned
0: that- The trial judge uh, would have to decide to reinstate it because it's been vacated by this court.
2: Thank you. It's one small Vacate. point. Yeah, just one small point. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay, you were claiming- um... Four Turkish holidays, and that kind of begs the question on whether or not the compensation is based on AA uh, Turk, you know, even though we're talking about a relationship between her vacation days and Anadolu. Well, AA Turk did
1: provide, did pay my client and also did provide belief policies but those same policies were adopted by Anadolu, and it's not clear at this stage because we haven't done any discovery the interrelationship of all that and AA Turk may very well have determined for Anadolu that those same policies applied to all Anadolu employees. we just don't know because we haven't had the opportunity for discovery.
2: so it's your position be- on on that point about the discovery that was in opposition to your motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction that you were trying to rebut the um, extrinsic evidence that was relied on upon by Donadolu. So was it ever kind of brought up before that, before opposition?
1: No, we had no opportunity for discovery before the um, motion to dismiss was filed. So it was brought up in opposition and we didn't just request Discovery on the um, the issue of who terminated her. We we I filed an affidavit requesting discovery, explaining what I needed, and I incorporated that into the opposition. That's all in the record, and that affidavit um, specifically requested discovery on the employer issue. And it outlined lots of things I needed, including depositions. Unless the court has any more questions, I thank you for the extra time.
0: Thank you both. The case is submitted.